Hello, everyone. Welcome to Collisions YYC Current and Critical. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. Thank you for joining me today for another good old-fashioned chat. It's a new year on the podcast, and I'd like to introduce you to some changes that we're making to the show. We're excited to introduce our partnership program. This will allow us to showcase more of the leaders, innovators, and organizations who are at the forefront of the economic transformation happening in our city and our province. Take a few minutes and be curious. Visit their websites, check them out on social media, and most importantly, get involved where you can. A warm collisions YYC welcome to Miss Savannah Rally, Radley. I'm sorry. Good morning, Savannah. How are you? Very well. Thank you, Tyler. How are you? Good. We've been chatting offline and we're already, again, same old story. Just push the record button right away, Tyler, when people get on and you'll capture all that, all the, the stuff that happens between the lines. You are founder at Radley Robot. Say that five times fast. I, I won't because I'll mess it up. Um, I got introduced to you through my social media manager. Again, small town Calgary. I love it. I say that a lot. It's very true. It's part of why I love living here. Um, you were part of Startup Calgary this year. Tell us a little bit about Radley Robots, what you're doing. I think it's very, very cool, and I'm excited to share it with my audience. Thank you very much, Tyler. So here at Radley Robots, we are introducing a con... Well, actually, what we're trying to do is to extend human capabilities using mobile appliances, which are robots. I moved away from the word robots when I'm speaking a lot of the time to people, mm. sort of in casual conversation, because people have a lot of cultural connotations and associations with robots, which... Uh, can be really confusing because they think, do you mean like a Terminator robot? Do you mean like a Jetsons robot? And I'm like, no, no, no. I mean an appliance. This is going to become in the future something like your fridge or your television, or it's going to be an appliance in your home. Uh, a, Roomba, a Roomba technically is a robot, is it not? 100%. It is I don't a, know how many people I know that you'll be there and all of a sudden it'll start going around the house and everybody kind of makes a joke about it. And then it literally is just runs in the background. It's just an appliance that does a job. And we are seeking to make sure that we provide appliances that provide useful jobs. However, we know that Roomba is really, uh, first of all, it's, it's one of the most successful robots kind of ever, really. <laughs> uh, and it's utilized a lot. People hack the Roomba pl- platform a lot, actually. Okay. Tell me more about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can, there's actually a website. I have to find them, but, but there's places you can go to sort of to look up how to hack your Roomba. So that you can base and basically roboticists take it apart and start putting stuff on it because it's a great platform. Oh, like it, like it works. It goes around. It's a, it does self docking. There's all sorts of capability that is already in there that people take and then start to build on. And a lot of the time, I find that people in the software space in Calgary, a they're really hesitant about hardware. Everyone's like, "Whoa, it's hardware! Back away! It's dangerous." I would like to explore that a little bit because I've been talking to a lot of companies that are both in the hardware and software space, and they're having challenging mm-hmm. from a funding perspective because, "Oh, 100%. I don't want anything to do with you guys over hardware. Not too complicated." I've been running into that on my last couple of guests. Actually, it's funny you bring that up. Yeah, it's it's really. I, I mean, you know, I mean, Canadians in general are tremendously risk averse, and <laughs> the problem is. It has done them so well. We avoided the big banking crisis. You know, we've done like everyone sort of clutched on to their assets because they haven't actually done anything. But we're starting to get into a space now where not doing anything will carry easily as much risk as acting. Easily. So you might as well do something. And you know, there's a lot of investors in Calgary who are great people, and I know many of them, and I really like them. Um, and a lot of them are very focused on a relatively short-term return. Mm-hmm. 
Um, a lot of them are focused on uh, what may be seen as easier problems or things that they are, let's not say easier, let's say problems they're very familiar with. From speaking about business processes, people think, oh, good, I've been in a business, I've seen too many Excel sheets. If you have a software solution that's going to get rid of Excel sheets, I can understand that. I got it. If I go to you and I say, I want to put a new kind of appliance into homes that will do various jobs that are urgent, uh, but I can't actually show it to you today, then everyone has a really hard time imagining that. And I got to say, so actually just to kind of back up the truck a little bit, uh, you know, I've been talking, so I've been talking about this and doing this since about uh, April of last year, April of 2019. And it wasn't really until I took a telepresence robot to our prospective pilot client, which is Silvera for Seniors here in Calgary, the facility provider. Yeah, I know who they are. I took, I took one along and I drove it around in a meeting and you could just see the gears start to move in the heads. They're like, oh, it's like that. And then they started, and then the first thing they said was, I nearly, I was so funny. They were like, can we put an arm on it? <laughs> and I said, yes, yes, you can, but not first. Let's not do that first. I, hey, I appreciate it, though they're already jumping now. Now they now they're hacking oh, yeah. the idea already, which is when from a presenter from a presenter standpoint, you've kind of got your audience right when they start adding to your idea in the room. It was so it was so it was so rewarding to see people start to understand it. You know, I took it again. I took it to Chinook and drove it around, and I've taken it to a restaurant and drove it around. And and you know, first of all, people at Chinook were like, "Am I being filmed?" And I said, no, no, you're not being filmed. It's okay. yeah, I appreciate a privacy. Just so, because obviously sure. this is a, you and I can see each other. So I'm using my hands to show the shape of your, the, the, this is a, this is a, this is a, a mobile appliance. Sorry, I want to use my, I want to get my terminology right. You're teaching me new ways to talk about things that's in the home that moves around with, uh, is it an iPad that's on the top of it? Is that, is that, it looks yeah, like an iPad in, in the image. Yeah, Roomba with a stick and an iPad. Uh, a Roomba with a stick and I, I think you're playing, I think we're almost minimizing it, but I think everyone can get that back to bring your, bring your audience, meet your audience exactly. where they are. And this is used in your current application to act as a, as a way of staying connected with loved ones. The, the video you have on your websites, it's heartfelt in the sense that I have someone at home, my mom, my parent, that I, Asian parent that has an illness. I want to be there with them, but I can't because life is busy. So this is the next best thing to stay connected. Is that, am I, am I paraphrasing exactly. that accurately? Exactly. Yep. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, so uh, so so we're using telepresence robots for a number of different reasons. One, because see, and again, I, you could almost use any robot, right? When you come when it comes to things like hardware, it's a question. It's like building a Swiss Army knife. <laughs> you decide what are the use cases that I wish to serve, and then you decide, okay, well, if I have these three things on it, let's say it's mobile, I can do face to face video. I have an additional motion sensor and I have a temperature sensor. Well, with those sort of three or four things, there's a number of different use cases that I can serve. Or I could have LiDAR and I could have a flashing strobe light and I could have something else. And that allows me to handle a different number of use cases. Mm. Or as, as we're seeing- I like the Swiss Army you know, knife application. Have, like what? You can it, have, it can you do can anything, have, but we have to, there's, there's a sense of like what is actually practical, what's reasonable, and let's understand what's going to actually have the biggest impact for our, for our use case. Hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So I spent a lot of time over the last, as I say, a year or so, um, trying to figure out what were the things that would make it the minimum viable product and the minimum adoptable product for people? What were the use cases we needed to serve? 
And in then probably around the springtime, exactly when we all shut down, uh, I had focused down on sort of check-in and monitoring services, particularly within facilities, um, you know, talking to people about, and I had was talking to some people in health at the time. And of course, then in March, everything just went silent. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then in about August time, everyone started to breathe again. And I, and I managed to get some introductions into some spots. And what's interesting I find now is that it is the not-for-profit facility providers of, so independent assisted living places, um, some uh, longer-term care facilities, things like that. They've started to come forward and approach us and to say, okay, you know what, we've had time to think about that, this, and we've, we've had now time to breathe. And now we're trying to figure out what are we going to do next time? Mm-hmm. Because some of them went ahead and introduced iPads uh, to their populations in the, in the summer. But people, you know, I'm fortunate that I have a long history in software because I know that when you just give people a new thing, so lack of adoption in the SaaS market is really big. People go in, they sign in once, and then they never use it again. Yeah, the statistics on that drop off, for, yeah, yeah, right down the to drop you. drop off yeah. is tremendous. Hmm. And part of the reason it's big is because is, is whenever people don't take the time to properly educate and to walk people through the process of, okay, here's how you use it. Just see how much time you've saved. Like once you, you you've got to be there to kind of to push them forward and to help them. Right. So, so what we're doing is where this is not a fully autonomous robot. This is a remote operated robot. So we will, we're going to have people driving the robots and performing the functions for people. So that, for example, if I'm a resident in an independent living environment and I need to call someone, you know, in my family, rather than me having to kind of try and navigate through the five or six or seven different web app, web applications that you have now to do conferencing, you just simply speak to the appliance and say, hey, Radley, I'd like to make a call. And then our operator will come on and say, hey, okay, who would you like to call? Is it your father, your son, whoever? All right, we're going to do that and set it up for you so that not only are you behaving in a contactless manner with the, with the appliance, which is good, but then you don't have to learn every new platform that comes out. Mm. We ask people to do an awful lot of, of quick adaptation. And there's people for whom that's really easy and straightforward. And it's so easy in the tech community to be like, hey, it's so intuitive. Just do it. No problem. <laughs> and, and, then, and, and then, you know what? I went, to, I, I went to Ireland a few years ago. I have some uh, relatives by marriage there. And, you know, just about everybody, you know, they're kind of 60, 70, something like that. Number one question, when I walked in, they find out that I'm in technology and they're like, oh, can you help me find, you know, contacts on my phone? <laughs> They've all got smartphones. They don't know how to use them right. apart from, you know, talk and text. You know, Apple has success managers here in Calgary in the West because so many employees, so many employers have adopted uh, you know, everyone's done their bring bring their own device. Everyone's yeah. got Apple iPhones. They're super duper. They got all this tech. Apple is frustrated because lots of people still only use them for talk and text. They don't use any of the other stuff in there. We have to lead people through the experience. Yes, but we can't. Yeah. But we can't blame the customer for that lack of adoption. Like that's still no, on, on us, no, on the proverbial on us. us as the, as the provider. It's totally on us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in this, I, I think a lot of the time, you know, somebody asked me a while ago, what, you know, what's, what's your differentiator? And I said, and of course, this is the sort of question you get a lot. 
And I said, well, I think, first of all, the fact that I'm not an engineer is a really good differentiator. <laughs> so I'm laughing because there's so many, yeah, the bullet points that could fall under that in, 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 a, in a town full of engineers also. Plus, let's keep that in mind because we are both sitting in Calgary as we have this conversation. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, engineers are awesome. And I know many great engineers. But, uh, <laughs> and, but, and, <laughs> and, but, you know, and, and I, I deeply appreciate a lot of the work that they do. However, especially in relation to robotics, right? Everyone's seen the Boston Dynamics robots, yes, and, you know, videos. like the menacing, the menacing army of robot dogs. And uh, I thought, you know, well, this is all super, but frankly, I have a limited need in my life for something that will do somersaults. Let's concentrate on use cases that need to be solved. I had somebody say recently, a tool or a toy. A somersault's robot is a toy. Yeah, <laughs> What exactly. you're talking about is, a- is, and the word appliance, uh, you know, that utility conversation that comes around that moves it very quickly by default into a different category. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, and it has to be. We, we have to, I mean, I think that, that uh, you know, we were talking just a minute ago about the fact that, that people are so nervous in Calgary about hardware. And it's so funny because they've operated in hardware for many, many years, but it's oil and gas hardware. And because it digs a hole, it's okay because we understand that activity. Right. So hardware is okay. If if, I get if, well, black you're stuff. speaking of the human diet. Like, it's okay because it's in the realm of something I understand, but the second it's not. And is I that, know it simply, already. Is that just, does that make it easy to dismiss? I mean, I'm talking to lots of companies that are like, geez, if we, if we were a SaaS play, we would have we would have less of a hard time raising money because that sounds easier. You get people on and it's done. Where this whole hardware thing, people just immediately shy away of this, speaking from an investor standpoint. I think I've had Indeed. two or three guests on in the last two weeks that have also had the exact same storyline because they were all combination hardware software plays. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I suppose our, uh, I suppose one of one of our different differentiators is that I'm not asking anyone to help develop some, to help develop the hardware. I have the hardware, and the weird part is, is that is that I so I developed a relationship with a with a robot designer and manufacturer in Ontario would have been around this time last year. Okay, wow. So only and so literally twelve months ago, this thing got got, got going. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, yeah. It was really only when I went to see what they'd done mm-hmm. that I was like, okay. Now, now we can make a business out of this, really, because a they've created, they've spent a lot of money creating something that is uh, that I think is is really good, that is really elegant, that moves very nicely. It doesn't do this whole like jitter jitter, and you get like, oh my god, is it going to explode or what? Like you can't have that, right? In in a place where people are living, it has to be something. It has to be something is, you're comfortable with as a human. <laughs> Yeah. Otherwise, you get totally freaked out. So, you know, not only have, we have they such done a narrow that, parameter for what's acceptable and what's not sometimes, but it's but that's okay, right? Yeah, it's it's Sorry, okay. I don't want to say that like a fault, but it's something that needs well, to be considered, especially when you're developing a new product and doing a quote unquote a startup that's going to come into to be in someone's home, a very intimate. You know, arguably this yeah. this robot creates a very or sorry, this mobile mobile appliance creates yeah. a very intimate environment mm-hmm. with it with the people that interact with it. Well, you think about, you know, there's, I've had been having a number of conversations recently about the fact that um, human beings actually are very nuanced in the way that we communicate, in the way that we, and, and it's, and nuance is something that becomes very lost in environments like this, or it can do, you know, as we all become more distant and people are like, did you really, did you really mean that? I'm not really sure. How do you look? Mm. Yes. Uh, so, so there's a lot of nuance and we kind of, again, in technology and in society in general, I think, so we've, a gotten used to a society of it's kind of okay if things don't work 100% of the time. 
especially in technology. Like it is common in SaaS to say, well, you know, we're going to serve 80% of the use case and that'll be fine. Mm -hmm. And you think if I gave you 80% of the car, you'd go through the roof. <laughs> or 80% of safety like or 80% of reliability or 80% of X, Y, C thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, no, really, it'll be fine. And you think, I'm not so sure about that because we don't accept that in any other sphere. How about you want to go for surgery? And you well, if there's 80% chance, pretty good. Are you comfortable with the 20%? Like, it kind of gets mm. meaningful, right? So <laughs> when we're trying to get into this, this space where we're delivering something that it is, is in the physical world, it's funny, you know, since I got into it, I'm, I'm just fascinated with this gap between, between the virtual and the physical. Because, as a, again, as a society and as technologists, we sort of think, oh, I solve everything with software. It's awesome. We can do everything. And I think, yeah, but can you get up out of your chair and go and answer the door? Because if you can't, you still haven't solved a really urgent problem. <laughs> back down a hierarchy of needs and where you end up. You think you're up yeah. here, but if you can't, if the basic isn't getting taken care of, you go right back down to the bottom of the game and start over. I know. I know. It's it's so easy to to fall into this trap if you're in technology, I think. That's it. No, it's an interesting perspective. And as it, it becomes the, a little bit of a panacea and to point the answer for everything. And, you know, you and I talked a little bit of offline, even there is a lot of talk right now. And it's something I really want to get into your views as being your, your experience, I should say, and your perspective of being a, a tech startup in Calgary. Which has been an oil and gas and resource town for years, and there is a little bit. I heard someone know oh, the tech sector, and I'm like, "What's well, not a sector? It's just an underpinning of everything." And but I, I, you know, this is the future, and I see like, well, yeah, maybe, but we have real problems we're trying to solve today with unemployment and just the economy in general. But our ecosystem where we're building, you know, I'm pretty excited about what it's going to be. Five, I'm excited about it now. Don't get me wrong, but five to ten years from now, it's going to be something more substantial. Uh, sometimes there's a gap of between what the planet, which is often I see the mirage, it's in the distance, and just when I get there, it disappears. <laughs> Appears. And I'm really excited. Even since starting doing this podcast, I've seen that I've experienced, or maybe it's also because I'm talking to more people, I'm seeing it more, uh, the ecosystem becoming more robust and more diversity, but it feels like we're still in our infancy here. So curious, what's your journey been 12 months in? Forget it. Mind you that we had a global pandemic during that time, but even setting that aside, what's your experience being a tech startup in Calgary? So, um, I, you know what, I, I, I think it's, first of all, influenced by the fact that's in Canada. And I'll just back up. I'll just tell you a little bit about so where I came from. So I actually arrived in Calgary in 2006. And before that, I lived in London in England for about 11 years. And before that, I was in Toronto. I went to high school out there. And I've, I've, so I've lived in, I've lived in uh, Austria for a while. I've done business in lots and lots of different places globally. And uh, when I decided I wanted to come back to Canada because I had been in London for a long time, and I thought, yeah, let's go to a smaller city because I've been in really big cities. Mm -hmm. London to Calgary is a pretty, those are kind of, you could say those are almost bookends in terms of uh, still cities, but yet completely different environments. But very different indeed. Yeah. So, um, you know, got here in 2006 and pretty quickly was fortunate enough to, to be able to join Evoco, which was Alice Reimer's first company here. And so I worked with Alice until 20 like kind of early 2013 um and they were really you know sad as, as we would say then sas before sas was a thing <laughs> before before yeah. it was cool <laughs> sas before it was cool exactly great environment uh, leadership team with tremendous integrity and and uh and a really really great experience and that was where and i before that i had been i'd done technology work in london 
and worked in mostly actually larger ad agencies working on media analytics and media buying tools and things like that. Mm. Uh, and really early document management stuff. Yeah, I've been in this game for a like, really long time. And, um, and But really working at Avoco was my first exposure to being in an early stage company like that. And it was just fantastic. Best workplace ever. And then, uh, you know, went from there to doing a little bit of contract work uh, back in London and then came back from that and did uh, another stint at another great company, Benevity. And where I led their client service. I would say, team. I'm going to boldly say a Calgary success story into itself as well. It's a fantastic Calgary success yeah. story. Absolutely. Um, again, lots of great people in the leadership there um, and a really fantastic team. Like, it's so funny because, you know, sometimes people are like, oh, millennials, they're so crap, whatever. And I'm like, <laughs> you know what? My whole team at Benevity were millennials, or pretty much all of them, and they're awesome. Like I, yeah, so I'm, I'm with you. I don't like, I still, there, there, there's, there's, there's bad apples in every like cohort that you want to put out exactly. there, gen this or gen that or millennials. And I think that there's different demands and they possibly value different things, but that's like, when has that not been the case when a new generation takes, takes a major role in a work, in the workforce? I had a friend exactly. of mine who was in his seventies and senior leader and really accomplished. And he looks at me, he goes, Tyler, do you think back when I was 20 and I had a saxophone in my, over my shoulder and a cigarette <laughs> behind a joint behind my ear and my hair in a ponytail, anyone thought I was going to be a mountain? anything but it kind of worked out didn't it so he goes i don't want to hear any of this bullshit he kind of walked away i thought he summed it up nicely in terms of like get over it this is the way it's always been it's okay it'll work out (laughs) yeah yeah well i mean it was and it's it it was it was a great uh you know evoco and benevity were great kind of uh training grounds i would say uh for for starting something myself oh nice um probably primarily because it educated me a lot on the importance of finding the right people right if you get the right people you can move a planet you know, I used to say this to the people in, in, in my team at Benavity. I'd say, look, man, there's like over 40 of you. Smaller groups have taken over small countries. You <laughs> can do anything. So let's just decide what, what we want to do. And then yeah, we'll when, when, the most, when the hardest decision is just deciding which thing you're going to take over, that's a fun, that's a success problem in my world. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So anyway, so great experiences. And um, so all through that time, of course, I was meeting people and going to startup events and stuff like that. Love the mm-hmm. space, spent a lot of time speaking to other startups and meeting people in, this, in the ecosystem. And I would say it was last year in 2019 that I finally felt like the bus was starting to move. Okay, interesting. I felt like, okay, now... We're starting to see other people who might have come out of Benevity or come out of uh, Evoco or come out of other other uh, organizations. Well, people like, for example, people who come out of ShareWorks, right? So people who came out of uh, Solium, some of those people have moved on, but or and you know, it's kind of semi-retired. But some of them are still investing. Look at Shelley Kuipers, you know, who came out of Cambrian House, who's now who's now, you know, they've got, I can't remember the name of their capital firm, bad me, but then of course started the 51 with Alice and with Judy. Mm -hmm. There's just, we're starting to see a lot more reinvestment in the community from people who've now been down the road a couple of times as a part of something else and starting to think, you know what, I can probably do this. And I would say just- That's such a critical factor to to an evolving when you talk about other more mature 
environments, we'll just use the Valley, we'll use Kitchener-Waterloo, mm-hmm. where there's there's three or four cycles deep of that. And now that pool of people reinvesting and wanting to get involved there that are still very active in the community, not only from money, but they have experience and they have connections yeah. and they have know-how. Yeah. And I've had a lot of people say like, we're on that journey and we're early days and you're starting to see it. So to hear that that was your experience really lines up with, I think also what's going to make us really successful five to 10 years from now, because that's going to keep happening. You know, I was listening to a, so Jim Gibson was on a, uh, was on a, a webinar last week that I was te- sort of checked into and he used the term entrepreneur, <laughs> which, which was, which is great. And, and I think used it in a very kind of encouraging fashion, which I, which I completely agree with that, that there are lots of people who are thinking, maybe I, maybe I could do something like that. Women particularly might be thinking, maybe I could do that. And, and it's really encouraging to see, you know, lots of female leadership here in Calgary. This is actually, Alberta does really well in terms of- I, was, I just released a post a couple of weeks ago of yeah. the stat of like, I'm very proud how much more of a percentage for out of 100, I think 64 in Canada versus 83 in Alberta are, are female entrepreneurs. I'm very proud of that. And I think that speaks to, I, know I moved here from the East and was really blown away by the entrepreneurial nature and just the, there was yeah. an openness. If you can create value, there's opportunity here. And I think even through this last five years of- challenges. I think that's still, it's more true here than it is in other parts of the country. And I'm very proud of that. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I think it's, and again, having lived in Toronto and, you know, spent time in other places as well, I, I would agree with that. I think that, and the fact that this is a very open community and very welcoming, you know, the fact that I can, I can call almost anybody, whether I know them or not. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? Yes. I agree. And say, Hey, do you have 30 minutes to talk about your business? Cause I'd like to learn about it. I have not yet come across anyone who said no. I have not yet come across anyone who simply hasn't answered. Well, you just described my podcast because that's all I do. And people say yes, and I record it and put it out there. That's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> I joke, it's the so best, the it's the best business, it's the best business uh, dating tactic ever. <laughs> hey, do you want to be on a podcast and share your experience? Absolutely. Like, you want to talk to me? It's so fun. And Calgary, the openness to that here is fantastic. <laughs> I know. I, you know, it's just so funny. I, li- I was in and around Toronto for a long time. It's where I went to high school. And uh and the thought that, I mean, I've, I've had some interactions sometimes with people in, in the Toronto startup scene and heard stories about how, you know, they'll be at some sort of social event and someone will come up to an entrepreneur and say, you know, what are you doing? And they'll tell them. And then they're like, I have no relationship to that. And they basically walk away. And I was like, wow, that is so, I hate to say it. It's so Southern Ontario. Southern Ontario. Could be it is a little bit. Yeah. We have an, I have an office in Toronto and it's, I like them. I like going to there. I like the dynamics I, of the city, but it's very different I, doing business there than it is here. <laughs> very different. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, of course it takes time to get to know people here. It's totally fine. But uh, overall, you know, speaking just, just in general terms, I think, this is actually a really good time to start within. Uh, if, if someone has an idea, go ahead and start it. You know, the guys at Thinner Labs, Je, you know, Jim Gibson, James Lockery, and Greg mm-hmm. Hart, you know, they have, I think everyone, actually Brad, um, Brad Zumwalt too, has, of course, this, this target around really increasing the number of, uh, the number of startups that we have here. And, well, I think and Jim's are, number, I had Jim was in my episode number one of our collisions. That's who oh, I had right. on the first, first show. And him and I've just reconnected to have him back on because we're going to be hitting a hundred. So I wanted to bring him back. And, and that was, I asked him, what's, what's your KPI? And he's like a, th- a minimum of a thousand startups. Like we have to get yeah. to a thousand startups. Like he, he, like if you're going to build a dashboard of when we know we're on the right track and that's what he said. So, mm. yeah. 
Yeah, I'm yeah. Always, I'm yeah. always kind of held that as because just you start. It's like good any sales fund. You start with your thousand, you work your way down, and then we're going to have a few unicorns fall at the bottom. That's the plan. <laughs> exactly, but I do find it illuminating that people speak about uh, you know when they have conversations with city officials or with you know Alberta ministers um, who are really surprised, and and even on my own journey as I've sort of gone around and talked to people, you know, talked to Jim, talked to whoever. You know, and I was like, hey, you know, you should talk to so-and-so, which is great. And there's always an offer of further connection. And it's awesome just how many Calgary companies you meet who are doing great stuff in other countries that nobody knows about. It's my favorite thing about being a Calgary. This is is like this whole body of work that's going on here that's being sold and making money. And uh, somewhere else. That's, that, that's also part of the mandate of the show is how do, how do we tell the stories of the entrepreneurs that are too busy doing the thing and nobody's talking. I had a company on this week, um, uh, Zero Key, and talking about all their clients in Germany, Japan, all over the oh, place, yeah. and they have no business. And we went through them like Calgary. No, they have one in North America, but it's just because they have a, a factory here. They're not even a North American client. All of their clients are oh, yeah. overseas. And mm-hmm. I hadn't heard about them until I got introduced to them by another startup who's like, hey, you know, you need to talk to. And it was yep. a fantastic story, revenue positive, like really cool growth, employing, cracking the 30 people mark. And nobody knows about them. No. Or sorry, nobody I know has run into has mentioned them until just recently. But I would say, you know what, and, and perhaps that is a strength of, of the tech sector here, is it because, because Canadians can be uh, very hesitant investors and because we don't, we really don't fall prey to the sort of the Silicon Valley hype, you know, we are probably not going to have anything like WeWork coming out of this town. We are not going to have, you know, the Uber scenario where you actually make no money like you're not profitable ever, <laughs> like ever. And yet somehow you have this huge market cap. You're like, hmm, well, I'm not quite sure who's buying that story. And honestly, I just don't understand what SoftBank was doing with WeWork. I love it. They lost all this money and the CEO goes, oh, goes off to have, like fly his jet around. And, and yes, SoftBank with his, with like, oh, can, it, can, it more? Story? Yeah. <laughs> can it kind of give you some more money? And he was asked, I can't remember what the, um, he's of course the Japanese gentleman who, who heads it up. And, and he was asked, you know, is this going to change your investment strategy in relation to WeWork? And he's like, oh no. And I thought, okay, guys, they're not making any money. The business model is not proven out. And I, this, is, this is absolutely why people are hesitant. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I get it. You want to make sure people are making money. And so, for example, I was like, so I've obviously now grown up in this kind of, in this kind of environment. So I only recently, so I sort of swore, I thought, okay, I am not asking for anyone for money until I have someone who asks for the service. I'm just not. Interesting. So you not, not just the shiny pitch deck and the, the winks and guns as, as they say of the pitch scene. <laughs> no. And so, you know, when, when we'd had a couple of meetings with different, uh, with different uh, facility providers here in Calgary, and um, it, when, when Silvera first asked, they said, oh, I th- we think we'd like to do a pilot. And I said, you know what? Let's meet again next week. And I asked them the question again <laughs> with a larger audience. It's, I was it's like, rare for a startup to be playing hard to get, Sven, I have to tell you. That's, like, that's rare. <laughs> it's usually well, what can we do and I, run as fast as it, we can to take advantage it, of that ask. I was just like, look, are you sure? Because I appreciate its effort, its risk. There's all sorts of things that are that are that are hard about it, um, but uh, but they they're just super, like they are they are really. And w- when was that? Um, when did you start the pilot with them? No, no, we're starting in January. 
Okay. So, so okay. Sorry, it's, I'm getting ahead of myself in the story. It's coming up. So it's starting in January. Um, well, we were going to try and aim for Jan 1, but I think we're going to end up pushing it by a few days, probably just a few days because of the holiday, et cetera. But I thought about it. Wow. Well, well, Jan 1 always good. sounds good when you're planning, but it never yeah, exactly. up in it's reality. Like no, I agree. <laughs> like, let's just pick January 4th. Everyone will be a little bit more sane. We're good. Everyone will be back. <laughs> I've yeah. made that mistake. No one- January 1, we're going to launch. And you're like, what were we? That was a really dumb idea. <laughs> that was a bad idea. Yeah. But you know what? Again, part of the strength, the strength of, of good leadership is saying, you know what? Maybe that wasn't the best yeah, idea. I, yeah. I, re- I reserve the right to, to change my views based on what I learned tomorrow. <laughs> Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. That's so hard with this world of black and white right around. Well, you said this yesterday. I'm like, yeah, but I, I learned something new today. I'm going to have, I'm going to have a new idea. So, curious. You mentioned a couple of things that I wanted to dive in yes. on. So funding you've been, mm-hmm. this is sounds like it's been self-funded up to this point. You made a, so this a, a self-funded. Um, I did apply for and receive a tiny bit of money, like less than 20 grand from uh, Western Economic Diversification Fund. Okay. That's, but that's, and so that's, that's debt funding, right? So I got a little tiny bit of money from them. But debt and funding, I, so you're, you're paying that back. That's a different, that's. Yeah, yeah, that's, no, that's, it has to yeah, be paid back. Yeah, totally. yeah, that's in a different, that's in a different bucket than here's some money. We hope it works out. It's here's some money. No. And if it doesn't work out, we still want you to pay us back. Um, and you mentioned something, how about talent? What's the talent pool been like for you? Have you been able, you said you went to Ontario to find the manufacturer of the product. How has that been for you? Like, have you been able to get the resources you need here in town? Um, in general, yes. But again, because I'm, because I've been very lean, <laughs> very lean. I'm hearing that. So I'm I sensing have, that. Yeah. So I have a, I have some contractors that I use who are people I used to work with, essentially. Yeah. I'm fortunate that, that I have lots of connections. I know lots of great people. Um, and many of them have been generous, first of all, generous with their time, like for free. And secondly, and, and then I tried to move quickly past that because one of my, one of my pet kind of mottos would be friends don't let friends work for nothing. It, it doesn't have to be a lot of money, but it needs to be something. There is a, I love the psychology of a transaction of a, like there's there, I value you and I know yeah. maybe I can't afford what your what your worth is well you know these are all subjective things but some type of a value based transaction I think it sets it, it builds good long term relationships in my in my books it does it yeah. does I, I like mean and even there's a there's a woman I worked with um, at Benevity she's fantastic she did some work for me kind of in a January February time frame um, and and just did it because she was unemployed and she was helping me out which is great. But I came back into contact with her recently and I said, look, let's make sure that this time, like I pay you something. It won't be tremendous, but something because you're a professional. I would expect to get paid. Like there's no room in this world for everybody getting together to volunteer because the bank's not going to volunteer to pay for my house, is it? No, when you run that out beyond a couple moves, it doesn't make sense. Curious. You use the word utility a lot and appliance, which are very uh, pedestrian, pragmatic kind of words. But yet, when I go on your website, this is directly like there's there's a sense of purpose that I picked up on your website or a sense of this is for connection. This is to support people. This is so there was an interesting, very, very um, almost engineering way you were referring to your product is just very logical. But yet on your website, I sense a lot deeper meaning and core purpose around the application you chose to put this into. Mm. So I started in this because we haven't covered that. So I started in this because, so I had surgery on my spine last March, would have been March, 2019. And I had, um, so I had what's called a laminotomy. I have arthritis in my lower spine. So they had to go in and scrape it out. And then they did a fusion on uh, three vertebrae. Sounds super fun. <laughs> it was, it was challenging. Yeah, and no and doubt. as, 
you know, as people who take for granted every day that we can get up and walk around with, a, you know, with ease, it's a very humbling experience. And it's very, um, and, and I was, uh, after, especially the first couple of weeks, there were certain things I realized I couldn't do. I couldn't, I couldn't reach anything on the floor. It doesn't matter if I was sitting, if I was standing, didn't matter. I couldn't reach it. And I thought, wow, I thought, you know what? That's like 12, 18 inches. It's not that far. And I thought, this is the gap between independence and dependence. Oh, wow. That's, that's what it is. If I can't get something so from the floor, what happens if I drop my phone? Well, what have I got to do? Well, eventually I, I tried. I thought, wow, how would I, how would I pick it up if no one was here? I was lucky because I had people around me. You know, my husband, my mom came over for a week. Like, mm -hmm. so, okay, I dropped my phone and I would be like, Mike, can you get my phone? It's like there, you know, <laughs> but otherwise you have to like kick it to a stair and then go down three stairs and bend over a little bit to pick it up. Or you buy a grabber, like the Amazon, like it's a grabber, it's a trash yeah, that, grabber. That's, that was my first go-to. I didn't want to. I didn't want to start throwing solutions before no, no. I understood the problem. Classic. Get the thing totally. that they use to pick up on the exactly. side of the Exactly. You know what it's good for? It's good for picking up Kleenex. Yes. Got it. Not, does, it doesn't pick up anything with the weight to it. Mm -hmm. Weight, slipperiness. Yeah. Right? Often phones are quite, they're very thin. If it's lying flat on the floor, mm -hmm. you know, then it gets to be hard. So, and I thought, gosh, you know, I've been in technology all this time. There's all this technology converging. Haven't we fixed this? Can't I rent something that will help me? Why can't I rent it? And that's actually what put me on the path because I thought, so I had to solve a problem for myself. And, and as I've learned more about it and I, and um, spoken to, of course, hundreds of people about, you know, I was in touch with a group of rheumatoid arthritis sufferers who it's, it's like, it's terrible. You know, when you start talking to people about the challenges they encounter day to day, it's so humbling <laughs> to think that I take so much for granted that I take this, that I take, you know, my ability to move around. And it was really sad. Like, see, I'm getting all emotional about it now. God, it doesn't take much, honestly. I'm, you know, there's a part of me that's really sentimental. And um, when you start to talk to people about the solutions they've tried, because of course I didn't talk about a robot. I was just like, you know, what sorts of things have you tried to fix this problem? If you can't reach something. If, so if you can't reach the back of the fridge, if you can't reach above your head, if you can't, you know, like uh, these are simple, they're simple, simple actions. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you can't do that, you know, what have you tried? And it was really heartrending to read people saying, well, I've tried this and this and this and this and this, but nothing really works. I have to rely on someone coming in. I have to pay for it. I talked to one gentleman who, and, and then, and then of course you start moving on and talking to people who, who are in care people with dementia and stuff like that. And of course, many of this, those stories are, are just awful. And, really and then you start to realize the financial impact of it you know i mean there's a gentleman i spoke to whose mother was in dementia care and for a while she just developed a habit of waking up at two or three o'clock in the morning and because she'd forgotten her routine whenever she woke up it was morning so she would get up and start wandering around and getting the paper and trying to make her breakfast and all the rest of it he had to pay for someone to sit next to her every night all night for six weeks until they could get her back into a routine of like waking up at seven or eight o'clock, $15,000 to do that. 
And it's just something that doesn't cross your mind until you have been fa- into your face with this that is the problem. Right? You don't I didn't think even. About it. I was like, of course. What else would you do? It's it's funny. Back to technology can solve everything. When you think about how uh-huh. many things are still you know analog, that's a very analog solution. <laughs> not, to, not to refer to humans as analog, but yeah. we are. <laughs> but that's it, right? Is it? And and I suppose and so the barrier nature, to cost is pragmatic. huge. Yeah, I'm I'm very pragmatic as a you know personally. I I think. Uh, uh, at Evoco, probably, you know, probably the the product people would have gotten tired of me saying things like, "Yes, but does it really work?" Um, <laughs> because because I'm always thinking about that. Well, it's great when the eighty percent case when it does work, but what about the twenty percent when it doesn't? Who are you going to call? Well, mm, gee, I don't know, you right. know. So. Without, I mean, and, and particularly when you're talking about, uh, okay, for me, totally dealing with consumers is, is in many ways a new environment. In some ways, I'm very fortunate, again, that I'm dealing with facility providers. So now I'm more in a business-to-business environment, but I can never lose sight of the fact that the people we're serving are consumers. They're people, they have expectations and they have needs that have to be met every single time. There is no such thing as, oh, gee, it didn't work today, shrug. The sort of response that you get when you call a phone call center and say, geez, you know, like my phone keeps dropping calls. And they're like, oh, yeah, it does that sometimes. I'm like, really? <laughs> no, but you're right. And we accept it. I it's like as, as little as I talk on the phone, I have one buddy and we were both on a certain network. And it was like Russian roulette of who like at least out of every, you know, say 10 phone calls, 20 to 30 percent of the time we would just drop a call and you just get used to it. You're like, oh, there's the, there's our one for today. We're good. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. Funny how well, it became acceptable. But if 20 percent of the time I drove my car, the wheel fell off. I would I would probably write a sternly worded letter. Perhaps. Exactly. You'd be like, wait a minute. We'd be like, oh, geez, you know that wheel again. Ha ha ha. Like, that's not how it goes. <laughs> oh, like even driving between Canmore and Calgary, for goodness sake. It's an hour. I have a friend every single time I'm on the phone with that person. The phone drops. I'm like, come on, guys. Is it's it also, not even- is, is there a phenomenon around just this amount of speed? I read something years ago that if all of the developers went for lunch at the same time, we'd have about 15 minutes before the whole thing fell apart. Because it was <laughs> like, it's literally just, we've grown so fast and the need to the supply chain of technology, like the need and the, our ability to absorb it and suck it up the fastest it comes out allows 80% to be okay because we've just gone so fast. We haven't really kept up. And it actually was a string of Baylor twine and duct tape. It was an article. It was quite, it was quite written mm-hmm. in a very, you know, a prophetic yeah, yeah, way. Sure. And kind of interesting. In a, in a but way. I laugh. Like if we, if they all went to lunch at once, we have about 15 minutes and the whole infrastructure would implode because we've just built it so fast because the demand and like, I want it, I want it, I want it. And I'll accept subpar just so I can get that 80% of time that is the thing I want. I don't Yeah, we'll get too philosophical about this, but well, I don't know. You you, know you've, been, you've worked in technology longer than I, so curious if you've, that sounds like a phenomenon you've seen over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I think um, there is certainly, particularly in relationship to software, there is, I think the law of diminishing returns is very valid. Hmm. I actually would, would agree that an awful lot of the time when you're just speaking about software, particularly business software, um, probably, and I, you know, do it myself, done, have done it myself, you know, 80, 85%, it is actually good enough. But what we're talking about now is what context are we speaking about that 80%? Yeah, no, I appreciate and it. In what environment is, is 80% okay where 20% could mean, I'll be blunt, 20% error in certain environments means, means death or personal injury. Like it's serious yeah. enough that you can't like, be acceptable. Do you think that Suncor would accept 80% on their safety record? 
No, they would not. Certainly with the license, social license, no one else would accept 20, 80% on their Exactly. Schedule. No one else would take it. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. ESG world. Uh, hey, I've heard something as well. So I'm throwing theories at you. Also, you're my expert because that's who I'm talking to. <laughs> one of the challenges in, in, in Alberta specifically being so uh, such an oil and gas and resource-based environment where 80% wasn't good enough and wasn't acceptable, that the mindset of the fail fast, fail forward, don't worry, we're tech, we're going to learn, don't worry, the first five ones are going to fail, that there's just an absolute diversity or gap between the belief structure that's made oil and gas successful and what technology actually needs to be successful, that they they, mm-hmm. they, they contradict each other. And mm-hmm. I, I had someone say that to me, it's kind of one of those, I'm like, hmm, somebody's theory, but it's stuck with me. Any thoughts yeah. on that? You're nodding. You're, nodding. No I, I can see. you're giving I, me some nods here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would actually agree with you because I think when you think about... Um, kind of small oil field companies that might go out and they're, they're trying to drill wells, right? And really, they need to be like, what I've, you know, again, done quite a bit of consulting work and I was at Deloitte for a couple of years and, and it, it really was at Deloitte that I've spent any time with oil and gas companies here in Calgary. And it was really interesting when you think about exactly as you say, the relationship between the people who invest in that kind of business and the people who invest in technology because if I'm investing in um, essentially oil exploration and I spend an awful lot of money on geophysical systems and all sorts of stuff and all sorts of measurements and maps and everything, because I really have, uh, I, I don't want to drill more than one well, ideally, to get to, to get to jackpot. If I go and drill five wells to get to jackpot, that's an awful lot of money. And you know what the worst part is? I'm supposed to be somehow responsible for cleaning up all the shit that I've created. There's a physical consequence to that. There's a physical just, consequence. Just, just keep pumping holes in the ground till we, till we get it right. Like that doesn't, yeah. versus, no, we're going to try software. If it doesn't work, we're just going to scrap the first part and build another. Like there is, yeah. that doesn't have an environmental, technically in the context we're using an environmental impact. It no, has impact, it, but very different. Yeah. Whereas again, when you're in the physical space, you've mm-hmm. got problem at the front, you got problem in the middle, you got problem at the end. You know what I find entertaining about software a lot of the time is that a lot of people have this great idea like, okay, this is what's going to happen and we're going to get users and it's going to be super awesome. And then you say, okay, what happens when they want to leave? And there's a sudden silence because no one has thought, how do you get the information out? How do you give it back to them? How do you fulfill your process? How, how, do, you do, how do you remediate? That's an interesting comparison. That's an interesting comparison. What's the end of it? Because, because a lot of the time people kind of ignore, I mean, you think about it. How many passwords for sites do you have somewhere stored? And you've never gone to those sites again, but those passwords are still out there. You haven't gone back and revoked access. No one has gone and revoked your access because they're hoping you're going to come back. So at any time, we leave ourselves open in a software environment all the time. Well, let's not even Bad talk about the the, 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 the the junk boneyard in my somewhere in my documents <laughs> folder on my computer. Let's not, let's not, if I had a filing cabinet that messy, I would be ashamed of myself. <laughs> totally, totally. And or I do try to keep it good. I'm not trying to paint a bad picture here, but it's, it is not as good as it could be. <laughs> but because because I'm not physically seeing it, there's a pile of papers in my office that gets dealt with. But yeah. those digital, the files are in the computer. So I have a Zoolander joke in my mind now. The files totally. are in the computer, but I don't yeah. see them and it doesn't need to be. Sorry. That was, no, no, it's I a just good dated one. myself. Zoolander, Zoolander reference. No, no, Zoolander's awesome. It's totally there. <laughs> <laughs> 
Did he just fucking EP in the computer? Yeah, I'll do my blue steel. <laughs> Only you will get it. Though. Anyways, that's good. I digress. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I love podcasts. You can really get away with anything. Um, did he just reference Zoolander? Um, miniature. What are the ants? Um, that's a really interesting comparison of like, what are the consequences of not remediating our data and remediating that mess? I'm going to call it a mess just for the sake yeah, of it. Yeah, it is. That gets left out there versus what happens in a physical world. And we're especially talking about the contrast of investors getting comfortable with this versus mm. that in our Western Canadian environment. Well, and of course, the sad part now is that uh, because companies are sometimes in an unfortunate situation in, you know, in, a, in the oil, in the real world where they go bankrupt and they can't remediate their physical environment. Now the government's paid for it. Oh, mm-hmm. good. So now the government's paid for it. Now we all have to pay for it because it's our tax dollars that go to yes, the Yes, the government are a conduit for us paying for it. Let's, just, let's be super clear on, on how that yeah. works. Right? Yeah, 100%. Not, 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 that any, not that we all don't know that. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, I mean, I don't know because I don't know that whole world about, about you know, what happens to investors that invest to like drill five holes and maybe get one. Like, are they really happy? expending or, that or, or are they just used to it or are they just i think i think they're just used to it i think yeah. they think well you know well you need about a billion whatever well, that's how it dollars. goes you know you got to break it because the returns used to be so good yeah the optimal word you use there because <laughs> <laughs> they used to be so good yeah and, and now you know if we were in saudi arabia and you could put a tap in the ground and get beautiful light crude at whatever it is uh, like a dollar a barrel, like it's it's outrageously inexpensive to create to to have there, but there's so much overhead that goes into it here. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's not going to go away. We're going to keep using oil for years and years. I have no Absolutely. doubt. Absolutely, it's it's that. it's part of it. But how do we diversify with these two potentially opposing exactly. mindsets? Is what I'm yeah. hearing. And I think 100. Yeah, you know, I, I'm right. I'm actually glad, and I hate I I'm glad in a weird twisted way that, and I've heard this from lots of people and lots of philosophers. I'll call them these days. <laughs> That the price of get, the price of oil didn't shoot back up again, so we've yeah. given a chance for our startup ecosystem to get going. Agreed. And we're still very early days, but I'm very hopeful we're moving in the right direction. But there's new beliefs and new value structures that have to come in place from an employee, a talent perspective. You and I talked about online mm-hmm. and investors for sure, because we can't put fuel in that engine, which is often funding. It, it's it's it stops before it gets out of the gate, right? Mm. Well, and I would say that again, what I'm what I'm hearing from the invested community so far is is of course, people are super interested in the pilot, um, as I've told people about it, because we want to try and run it from, you know, kind of January to the end of March-ish. Uh, we are fortunate to, we're going to have a little bit of involvement from Deloitte to help us evaluate it and to help, again, kind of de-risk it. People are like, oh, good, there's a big four involved. That's going to make us feel better. Um, and and get some and get some proper validation, not in a research setting, setting but in a real-life setting. You know, can we make something... And can we present something that's going to be positive and going to be um, something that people like using? Because, you know, I was talking to somebody I know recently. Sorry, that's my garage door opening. Um, I was talking to someone recently about the fact that when you're in healthcare, really, there's a there's a business case that has to support the wellness case, but then there's also what he what what this person called um, an embraceability case. Hmm. Are we going to embrace this? And it's been a, a theory of mine for a long time that it's not enough to make utilitarian products. You have to make something people desire. This is I love the embraceability. I've not heard that before. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So do I. So I mean, you know, you, we have to think about again. Do you want this in your home? I've had people say, say to me, "Why don't you use this one or that one?" I think there's all these different things. 
there's there's lots of different uh, robots types or appliances to choose from. But part of the reason I'm going with the people that I am is a um, I love the, what they built. B I can have it in any color I want. So we're going to do them in like sunrise orange, because when I was looking at things like the Smeg fridge or the Ferrari, like. Yep. I want something that is stylish and Italian and like, hey, that looks. Oh, you want the Pina Farina version of the of, of the of the utility? Do. There's like the pepper mill that Porsche yes. makes or whatever. Yes. that's what I want because that that took you. If you, I mean, that's what Apple did, right? And it's not that I'm. Yes, like I was going to say we, we have. There's a pretty Maybe. easy example to talk about where where exactly, where, uh, but that's a very like oh, it's just technology. It doesn't have to be sexy. It doesn't have to be cool. It doesn't have to be embraceable. I really like embraceability. Yeah. I like that a lot because it, it, it connotates emotion for me as soon as I hear you say it. Like I'm emotionally invested just by having that, that word. Exactly. This is, but you know, when you buy stuff for your home, because as you say, this is intimate. It is, it is something that is uh, often, it, it, there's a personal statement about you. Are you the kind of person that has this? Hmm. There's all sorts of stuff around. Are you, are you the kind of person that chooses sunshine orange? <laughs> yeah. Well, or, or are you the sort of, well, I mean, partly, partly shows orange for like a number of different reasons. One, it's, it's easily seen. Yeah. Um, it's, it's very different from how people might have imagined appliances like this in the past. Well, you, you're treading between appliance, medical device, utilitarian, Roomba, like you're playing into these interesting spaces and you almost want to be acceptable, but yet slightly surprising. Sunshine Orange is maybe slightly surprising in the medical space, but really okay for someone who likes bright colors. Like again, you're playing, I, I, I just love how you're playing that line, but not underestimating the value of design of how that important it is for humans to have it's something beautiful. So, like it's so important. And I think in technology, some, sometimes that gets left out for the utility. Yep. Well, I mean, as I say, I've had people say, why don't you use this one? Like there's a couple of different models, as I say. And I'm like, well, because it's black and it looks like a vacuum cleaner. And lots of people not, already have it. Because it's not cool. Like, we, Isn't that cool? Whatever cool means to you. Whatever cool means to you. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, okay. Take, for example, I have a desk chair. I have a red desk chair. I know. I, I noticed. It wasn't lost on me. Just to, to, to be too, <laughs> super clear. <laughs> I went to Staples or whenever, wherever it was, and there was like one red chair. It's the only red chair that they sell. And I'm assuming it has to be the right kind of red because red is a tricky color, especially in leather. Like, cause they're not all reds are created equal. If we're going to get into the dynamics of red. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's I, some terrible I, reds out there and there's some amazing reds out there. <laughs> yeah. But, but I thought, no, you know what? I'm at some point, Somebody might see this office. Maybe there's going to be so like maybe I'll have it in a space where people will see it. But does and it I'm bring like, you joy? Does it bring you joy when you see it? It probably exactly, does. It exactly. probably does. Yeah. So so that's and 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 that's uh, it's it's a huge motivator behind behind why people adopt things. Well, I also really appreciate as a startup founder hearing you know this is that amazing time where this is your values coming alive. This is all the things you've learned over the years, all the things you believe to be true. And now you're going out and testing and going, well, I guess I wasn't crazy. Some of the, the market actually thinks this was a good idea too. And that, that's, that's exciting where there's a lot of time in the startup cycle where you got to really believe in what you believe because sometimes you're the only one for a while. <laughs> yeah. Although I would say that, that, um, you know, one of the things that I've of course spent some time with the folks at platform Calgary and, and other accelerators. And I would say that, um, you know, they are insistent and rightly so that, that you must always be listening to the customer. And, and the only reason why, and certainly I've, you know, I got a page, I have some internal, you know, documents and everything. And, and I got a page where I say, you know, ways you can solve this problem without a robot. 
because there's always lots of ways that you can solve a problem. You can solve it with all sorts of different things. You know, can we do this just with an iPad? People, I, that, I get that question a lot. Well, what about just an iPad? And I'm like, well, yeah, but no. Well, here's so, the, here are the yeses, but here are the noes. Here are the yeses, but here are the noes. And certainly part of what I'm attempting to, to prove out is my own thesis that it's not enough to build a better grabber. Mm. It's not enough. It's, it's not enough of a paradigm shift. It's not enough to make people think differently about, about, how, about how they solve these kinds of problems. I really think we need to try for a step change. And we need to try and make it as, as familiar as possible for people so people know what iPads are. They know who people are. It's been really interesting to me when I'm speaking to people about this. And they say, well, you know, A, they love the fact that I'm using a Canadian-made product. That has proven to be way more impactful than I thought it was going to be or than I originally planned. Uh, but but that's absolutely something that people really like. And, and I think especially nowadays when we're, concerned, you know, we're worried about supply chain problems, all that kind of stuff it's okay. You know, everybody's, everybody's here and it's being produced here. Uh, it's being produced in Ontario, um, but, but could easily be produced in Alberta. Uh, and then the other thing is they're really reassured that it's not fully autonomous. People are not ready for full autonomy. Just thinking about adoption where, where back to embraceability, what, and something a creative director I used to work with, he also called it permissibility. What will okay. your customer also permit you to do at what stage that they're at? So yeah. there's embraceability, but that permissibility, like, oh, we're this, but if no one believes you, you're not getting permission in the world. You're not getting permission. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, it always stuck with me. I really, I really, embraceability and permissibility, that could be like a couple slides in the it's, presentation, just talking agreed. about those, those two things. Yeah. Yeah, but I really love what you said about falling in love with the problem. You're sorry, I'm paraphrasing. You didn't say no, that. No, no, go ahead. Like falling in love with your solution. Like I'm going to build you know, utility robots. They're going to be amazing. Versus what I heard was staying in love with the, the problem you're trying to solve and being open to all the different ways and not getting so locked into like, what if it is a grabber? Oh, that's not, I don't want to build grabbers, but I want to solve this problem. And that's, I think that's a tricky slope as humans. We get really bought into our ideas sometimes versus oh, yes. getting bought into the problem. And understanding the problem, you know, what's if I had an hour to solve a problem, I'd spend 55 minutes understanding it and then five minutes coming up with a solution. That exactly. might be a quote on one of my email signatures, but that's a, yeah, that's yeah, a no, but that's a, that's, it's, it's a perfect, it's, it really is uh, the way to, to continue to think about it because otherwise um, it's, it's so easy to get hung up on, um, uh, hmm. to get hung up on the solution and, and continuing to speak to customers brings you more and more different angles on the on the problem and you start to think okay well there's there's the problem I initially wanted to solve which was a way for me to pick something up off the floor but then I see that the the other thing I'm hearing is I'm hearing of course during the pandemic you know loneliness social isolation human connection difficulty navigating different web conferencing applications okay well there's something maybe I can help with too and then and then another use case that came up from another organization was well, gosh, now we need to spend a person standing at the front, taking a temperature, going through the COVID-19 questionnaire with people. Could you do something about that? And we said, yeah, yeah, I think so. We'll just put a temperature sensor on the appliance. And then we, the operator can go through the COVID-19 questionnaire with you. So then you do this in a contactless fashion. Like the person coming in does it in a contactless fashion. We keep a record of it, which most an awful lot of places don't. It's all this paper. I mean, you know, the contact tracing in Alberta now is a bit of a joke. And uh, yeah, yeah. So I so say we've we've kind of stumbled on we've, that. We've one. kind yeah. of stumbled on that. Uh, and and you're not spending a person to do that. You're using one of our remote operators instead. 
which sure. then the whole argument about autonomous versus human, then the, then hopefully it frees up for time for that human to go do a higher value task or something exactly. that requires more judgment versus more prediction and getting into the, even the whole AI ML kind of story. And I'm a firm believer that it's going to allow us to elevate people into into higher you know, quote unquote thinking roles. And it's, that's it's, that's a whole nother that's a whole nother dynamic. But what I heard yeah. you loud and clear, we're we're never running out of new problems to solve, and that's pretty exciting. And the combination of technology and humans are what is going to solve those problems. Agreed. Agreed. I think it's, 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 I, it's, it's the synergy of the two. It's not the, the robot overlords. That's a little ways out. Oh, that's a long ways out. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, a, the more you get into this space, the more you're like, okay, let's not worry about that. I know that the sci-fi anxiety. drops away really quickly. I've been doing a lot more <laughs> workshops and seminars on Sun AI in general. And, you know, the concept of, you know, a general AI, they're like, oh, it's like stone even. It's so yeah. far down the road of our, let's just worry about data ownership, data privacy. You know, some of the things even you and I were joking about before, or joking, talking about before we got on, on the phone. Some of yeah. the things we, we, we don't have to worry about Terminators back to Skynet. Even though I did hear there's a company in China called Skynet. I'm, I'm sure, sure there is. I'm not, yeah, because why not? <laughs> well, because I think China, you know, has has a not so secret ambition to be, you know, to be the overlord. So yes, that's like, a whole. That's, that's another. A whole, pod, that's, that's another podcast for another. Another time. problem to solve, but but uh, yeah, it's it's um, what what is possible with an within an AI construct, and really what we're going to be aiming for is. Uh, we have our operators who are holding decision, essentially decision-making capability, right? Mm -hmm. I've already informed the people that we work with that, of course, we'll be introducing some autonomous capabilities, what I would call semi-autonomy, where I, as the operator, might say, okay, now we're going to go to this room. The robot will self-navigate to that room or to that back to the Back to the basic Roomba technology. Can, it knows they, how to get there without sure. falling down the stairs, right? Mm. Sure. Arguably yeah. potentially better than the human who's now mentally exhausted because they've been solving higher value, higher order problems. <laughs> who yeah. doesn't pay attention for a second and falls down the stairs. Yeah, absolutely. You get distracted. Not absolutely. to make not to make light of it, but but yeah. But it's the whole like cause cause really collision avoidance absolutely can can is 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 a part of of the the appliances you can buy today. Um all of those types of sensors become better and better and more effective. Um, but you still need it, but you do need the person. And, and what we would want to do longer term is to use the information that we observe and that we gather to develop context specific AI that can become truly a private. And that's really important. A private type of type of contextual best friend AI. So that when I'm dealing with an appliance in my house, and if there are autonomous capabilities to it, those autonomous capabilities are being offered to me in a way that I expect, in a way that I understand, in a way that is nuanced for me. That's really the end goal. Back, back to customer, customer experience at the end of the, at the, end of the day. Oh, Savannah, I feel we could keep going all day and I'll like, I got more and more questions, but I, I, at an hour, I think we're going to, we're going to save this rest for a part two. And I want right. to, I want to reconnect with you after, as the pilot gets going and as you, as you learn okay. and understand the complexity of the problems you're solving even more. But uh, first and foremost, how do people get a hold of you? What's the best way if they're curious, they want to reach out, just have a chat because this has been amazing. Uh, and also um, just learn more about what you're doing. So certainly, so um, there's our website, which is www.radleyrobots.com, uh, R-A-D-L-E-Y-R-O-B-O-T-S.com. Uh, there are, so there's sign-up forms on there, there where you can um, connect with us on our monthly newsletter that we send out 
uh, or if you wanted to reach me personally, I'm really easy to find. I'm on LinkedIn uh, under Savannah Radley. Uh, I can be reached at savannah at radleyrobots.com. Let's try and keep things super simple. I love the name, by the way. I love the name. Like Naming can be one of the most challenging things we do in a marketing sphere because all the good names are taken. Clearly yours was already taken, but you had license to use it. So I think that's I great. Use- well, the funny thing is like, I didn't do it because I love my name. It was just that it's alliterative. Um, it's gender neutral. So that you can say, okay, well, I it's have a approachable, it's, it's, it's friendly. It's, I could give you all the reasons why your name is great. <laughs> it's just easy. It's easy. Why like overthink it. it, right? Yes, and you, and, you, and, you, and, you, and you technically already have the copyright on it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or maybe you have to talk to your family, but that's another story. <laughs> <laughs> Different family. But still, yeah. So that's the easiest way to get a hold of us. I think um, we do have a couple of other, uh, I'm actually... Um, have a potential, have another kind of um, interview kind of situation coming up with another online magazine. So you'll start to see us around. I'm trying that to- That sounds I'm good. I'm glad to hear you're getting some. I, I'm glad I'm, I'm getting it early. I can say, well, I got, I got to chat with her when you she was just to getting it early. I'm joking. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I will. We will absolutely push this out there. And uh, one, it's to also give you a piece of content that someone wants to really listen and understand Thank what you. you guys are all about from a philosophical perspective. I really appreciated you shared that. And also just to draw as much attention as I can to what's happening in this amazing ecosystem that we call Calgary. Thanks so much for the time, Tyler. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate all of your interest and your, uh, your efforts to help. So thanks so much. My pleasure. Thank you. 